from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Sure, yeah, we're, we're in the sweet spot of the economic cycle for small caps, still early, uh, and they probably work. I mean, we, we could certainly envision a scenario where we change some of these views and shift more toward cyclical value and small uh, in the first quarter as we get more evidence that a durable expansion is here. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here, Jeff Bookbinder on the line. Today is an extremely special Market Signals podcast. We're kicking off our new season, and we always do that in style. Jeff and I are going to spend the next 30 minutes or so talking about our 2021 outlook. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to discuss here. We're going to talk a little bit about 2020 that was, but good riddance to 2020. But we see some we still see some positive signs ahead. Now, Jeff, before we get into the outlook, let's a little banter back and forth. Um, and I want to make sure we spend more, most time on the outlook, clearly. As an Ohio State fan, you're a Northwestern fan. We could be having a collision course of our two teams playing in the Big Ten Championship. What are your thoughts? Oh, a tough challenge for my Wildcats. Uh, but, boy, that, that'll be fun. We'll, uh, we'll have to yes. do a uh, game recap uh, after it's over. I guess that's that's a few weeks away still, right? Well, in theory, two weeks, two Saturdays, I guess, in theory. Yeah, Ohio State okay. potentially has that team up north. And then um, after that, they have uh, the Big Ten Championship. Now, we'll see how that all shakes out. But anyway, enough of that. That'll be fun. We'll have a little banter, maybe a little playful bet on that one. But, Jeff, the 2021 outlook, we're going to share the very first slide of it right here. Uh, we're really, really proud of it here at LPL Research. I mean, Jeff, you, you, we did a call with our advisors this morning. You kind of put it together, just all the teams that work together and just the, I mean, gee whiz, hundreds and hundreds of hours that go into this. Kind of tell us not about the outlook, but kind of how we put it together and how so many different people work together to make this happen. Yeah, it's, it's really a joint effort between the investment team and the creative team. And we start with the investment team just sharing thoughts on the markets and the economy with the creative folks. And then the creative folks take that information and they turn it into a theme. And um, I mean, they do just a tremendous job. Those of you who've been around a while, followed us for many years. I mean, we've, we've had just so many great themes and so many uh, great um, final products from our graphic designers. Uh, it, it's really, um, you know, my one of my favorite days of the year when we get to share this with our 17,000 advisors and uh, just really, really proud of it. It's great collaborative effort among uh, many folks, probably a couple of dozen folks involved in this. Uh, absolutely. So the time we're recording this on Monday, the outlook doesn't officially come out until Tuesday. So if you're so lucky to maybe see this on YouTube or listen to it where you get your favorite podcast on Monday night, this is kind of a behind the scenes preview of uh, the outlook. Now, I, I know on the, on the YouTube channel, I'm just going to hold it up here. There's a, the printed version, at least, of the cover. It's very similar to the, the, uh, the slide we're showing right now. But, you know, the theme we have here is called Powering Forward. And we've got a car on there kind of getting worked on. And we're going to show some of the slides as we go into it with the idea of kind of traveling. And, and you know, things were broken last year. Now we got to fix them. And what are they going to be like on the other side? It's not going to be the same world where we left. I mean, Jeff, what does powering forward mean to you as you think about the 2021 outlook by LPL Research? Yeah, I think it's it's a, a really good way to capture two things, right? First, how tough 2020 was, mm -hmm. right? When you're powering through, it's kind of like grinding it out. 
right? And we're we're making progress. But then when you that word forward uh, really points to the fact that um, we're looking forward to better days ahead. Um, I think we're all glad to put 2020 behind us. Things are really shaping up uh, to look much much better as we move into next year, and certainly the vaccine or vaccines uh, a big reason why. Yeah, you know, it's funny because we spend a lot of time in the outlook. We spend a lot of time just coming up with, you know, the title, right? Powering Forward. You, myself, Barry, Caroline from our marketing communication team. We had an email going on. And then it was like, I forget, honestly, who came up with the name Powering Forward. Uh, But I was like, wow, boom, simple, to the point. But it goes a lot of ways. I thought that was just a really great way to put a bow on kind of the the whole report that we have. Um, And Jeff, before we dive in maybe to the 2021 outlook, let's just do a little bit of a summary on 2020. Maybe what, in your opinion, is the number one biggest surprise for you in 2020? And then we're going to go forward and talk about the 2021 outlook. Well, beyond uh, the the obvious pandemic that caught all of us off guard, what surprised me the most is just how quickly the stock market bounced back in the you know final nine months of the year. Now, we know it's not over yet, but it's close. Um, to generate a mid-teens return for the S&P 500 for the year, which is where we are right now, after being down over 30% at one point is truly remarkable. That's never happened. So for me, that's, that's my number one surprise from 2020. Mine's not much different, and we're going to get into it, but this is probably one of the quickest recessions we've ever seen. <laughs> this morning when you and I did our call with our advisors, I, I looked at the screen and it said NASDAQ up 40% for the year. I mean, that that's like, that's unbelievable. And and you know, we don't know where we're going to close. The year is not over. We're fully aware. But I mean, the, 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 just the, the incredible recovery uh, that we've seen from an investments point of view and just the reminder that, you know, if you, this is a, this is a, you know, it's, it's cliche to say, this is a marathon, not a sprint, but people that used the just incredible devastation on the stock market back in March and April as an opportunity to continue dollar cost average or continue to look over the horizon and buy things when they're cheaper are really being rewarded. And, you know, compliance hates when we make guarantees, this is not a guarantee. But in all likelihood, we're going to have another 10% correction. We're going to have another bear market. We're going to have another 30% correction sometime in the future. Um, if you invest, fortunately, you're in, if you're fortunate enough to invest uh, you know, for a long time frame. And I think this is just a lot of lessons in 2020 um, that are just what we've seen time and time again. And, and the, the investors that are able to use a longer term view are the ones that are going to be rewarded. And we've seen that once again. So, Jeff, let's just dive in because, again, we want to keep this at 30 minutes. You and I probably could talk for hours <laughs> on this because it's pretty cool stuff. I think it's fun. Well, let's start. This is kind of we're only we're going to the order that we do actually in our outlook, which, again, I'm holding up right there, the the, the copied version, which actually, you know, but this time by the time you guys hear it, most of you hear this, you can go to LPL.com. And um, you can actually print the outlook there. We're going to be sharing it on Twitter and just all all over the place. And you know, maybe even a link. Yeah, uh, we'll have a link to uh, to to this also from the podcast page at lpl.com, where you can just quickly print it. And that's one of the big things we've heard. We want people want it not a ton of ink, make it easy to print every single page. I tell you, sometimes I try to print stuff and it doesn't fit on the printer because like the page is too wide. We we've heard we've heard people loud and clear. This is easy to print. You go to the PDF, you open and hit print every single page. Prints, it's it's beautiful. But Jeff, policy. 
Um, I guess there's a few ways to start with policy. Um, I want to start with the Fed, then we'll go maybe to the um, makeup of Congress, because we're not too sure about the makeup of Congress. We're pretty sure about the Fed. Tell me a little bit about the Fed, what they did this year, and what we think 2021 is going to bring from the Fed on a policy point of view. Yeah, they're going to remain accommodative for quite some time. They've told us that over and over again. Right. So even though uh, we're likely to see inflation expectations rise in 2021, we'll probably see interest rates rise, as we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, Fed's probably going to anchor short rates to near zero for the entire year. Uh, mm -hmm. In fact, uh, Fed Chair Powell was asked that very question um, and uh, recently responded with clear answer that even if the economy um, uh, gains steam throughout next year and is you know, fully reopened by the end of next year, uh, they're going to stay put. So uh, be very surprised if that changes. Yeah, I don't have too much to add there. I mean, next week, the Fed will have another policy meeting. We'll just give a little preview probably of that at the next podcast. And in two podcasts from now, we'll break it down. But the Fed has said what they're going to say, what they said. Rates are low. They're, they're, the Fed is still here. They're not out of bullets. Remember back in you know, April or May, we heard how the Fed was out of bullets. Well, we learned they probably weren't out of bullets. Um, they still maybe have a few tricks up their sleeve if needed. Um, you know, so the next part of policy, Jeff, maybe let's kind of move into it. And who knows, maybe when people hear this, things will be different. But there, there's likely going to be another fiscal stimulus plan uh, coming sometime soon-ish, potentially. And that's a big part of policy. What do you think about us uh, fiscal stimulus going forward? Yeah, our expectation has been that um, we'll have to wait until next year. But mm -hmm. just over the last week, based on what's happened here, maybe we need to reassess that possible uh, that we get a deal in the, you know, in the next couple of weeks that can pass before a year end. However, a deal would be smaller than what we were right. talking about right a couple of months ago, uh, possibly as big as a trillion uh, but certainly not the trillion and a half, two or three trillion uh, that um, you know we were talking about a few months ago. Yeah, maybe let's. That's a good segue. Let's talk about why potentially it's going to be smaller because the makeup of Congress after we the election took place, and you look at uh, the Democrats maintain control of the House, but it's likely going to be one of the smallest majorities the Democrats have ever had uh, in control of the House. Also, as of now, as a time of recording this, Republicans have fifty seats in the Senate. Democrats Democrats have forty eight seats in the Senate. There are the two seats. I believe it's January fifth. The the two run that we have in Georgia. Um, it's widely assumed the Republicans will get at least one of those seats, giving them a majority. But if the Democrats were to take two, you have a split Congress and things are divided uh, right down the middle. And then the vice president actually makes the final say there. So the Democrats would have a very small lead. But Jeff, tell us a little bit about why. Uh, I think one of the big reasons markets went nuts in November was because of what I just said. We've got kind of gridlock in Washington. Why is that a positive thing, you think, from a policy point of view? Yeah, the biggest reason is because it takes these huge tax increases off the table. We yep. might still get some tax increases um, at, at a 50-50 Senate or 51-49, uh, but it's going to be very difficult for the Democrats to pass the type of tax increases uh, that markets were a little bit nervous about in September and October. In fact, the corporate tax increases that the Biden administration has proposed uh, could cut corporate profits next year by 10%. Uh, 
that's a big deal. Uh, but more generally, it just takes major reforms off the table, major disruption, and um, you know, policy environment probably uh, you know is limited to just what Republicans, Democrats can agree on. Uh, call it a status quo, if you will. Yeah, I mean, as the chart shows here, we, we've shown this before and talked about it before, a split Congress, like again, we likely will have, you know, once we get those, uh, the runoffs done in Georgia, when you have a split Congress this year, 2020, it'll be the 11th year in a row that the S&P 500 was green when you have a split Congress. You can see up about 17% on average, by far the strongest type of scenario. And, um, you know, it's kind of one of those, it is what it is. We're gonna have likely two more years of a split Congress and the positives that those uh, can bring. Now, we, we definitely need to move forward. I think one of the, I always love these big, interesting stats and just kind of, they're always in the back of my head. Um, this potentially could be the first year since 1884 we had a new Democratic president coming in, and they did not bring the Senate with them. So think about that. 1884, Grover Cleveland was the last time that we saw potentially what we're going to see this time, where a Democratic president comes in. Happened a couple times with Republicans, 68 and 88, but still, it's pretty rare. Usually, if you have a new president coming in, he tends to bring the Senate with him. And I think that's just another sign of how kind of you know, truly kind of split down the middle really our, our country is. And honestly, stock markets tend to like that. But Jeff, let's move forward. Uh, I think a good segue is the economy, right? Policy economy are somewhat uh, intertwined. You think about this year, 2020. Uh, well, maybe a year ago. Let's go back to a year ago right now. We were we were doing this podcast and we were talking about, you know, the economic data was weakening. I mean, there was a, you could argue, a, a manufacturing recession in Europe and other places going on uh, this time last year. We know we went into a recession, you know, in the second quarter. Um, but, but then all of a sudden, early in 2020, the economy started to do better. 10-year economic cycle of growth. We were saying, hey, we don't see any reason we won't get to 11. You know, we thought that the economy is going to keep going. And then clearly COVID happened and everything stopped in one of the worst recessions we've ever seen. Seen. Uh, but now, as we call it here, a new start. We have a new start to this economy. I mean, Jeff, um, and what are some of the big takeaways you think for the economy going forward in 2020, which will make it, um, you know, improve? Yeah, continuing the car analogy, uh, we, you know, we're starting to really get moving in early 2020, you know, coming off of the mm -hmm. uh, somewhat of a resolution to the trade war with China. Uh, and then the car hit a tree. Then it had to go in the shop. And the car is still in the shop, but is getting fixed. And uh, will probably be fixed here again with the help of vaccines over the next several months. So as we look ahead to next year, moving past the pandemic is by far and away uh, the biggest reason why we expect above trend economic growth. Uh, clearly better than the contraction we saw in 2020 and um, you know probably better than the long-term average so uh, things are good we're gonna probably get off to a little bit of a soft start because of the increase in COVID cases which has led to some new restrictions across the country uh, but uh, as that vaccine is distributed uh, we think we're going to see a really strong rebound in the economy beginning in really in Q2 uh, and uh, leading to that uh, above average growth year. 
Yeah, I mean, as a time we're recording this again on Monday, this time tomorrow in the UK, the Pfizer uh, drug should be should be allowed to be used over there um, as well. On Thursday, there's a vote here in the United States with the FDA for the Pfizer drug or Pfizer vaccine to be used in the United States. And the following Thursday, the Moderna one. So the bottom line is this time next month, potentially tens of millions of Americans could have this vaccine. Now, believe me, we want to get it to more people and it's going to happen. But those are some positives that you know, one thing I want to point out here, Jeff, just keeping this kind of really simple. We just had one of the shortest recessions ever. But if you look at the previous expansions, and I've got that we've got all the expansions back to World War II, 1945. Um, the average expansions, five years, just over five years. But lately, the last four expansions all lasted, let's see, over seven years, 10 years, six years, and then nearly 11 is one we just had. So as our countries become more of a developed country, like compared like a cruise ship, it takes us a lot longer to kind of get moving anywhere. Now, believe me, I know this recession happened really fast, so throw that out the window. But in a normal time, once we get going, we kind of move for a while, but we don't grow as much as we want, but it goes a while. The, tr the truth of the matter is now that we're in an expansion, this economic cycle of growth very well could have years left. I know you and I have talked about it. We, we doubt at this point it's a 10-year cycle of growth, probably, because of the strange recession we just had. But I think it's so important for investors to remember that these cycles can last a while. Bull markets can last a while. This bull market still, I know we've had a huge bull market run on equities. We'll talk about equities soon here. But these things can last a while. But from an economic point of view, the length of this expansion, we wouldn't be shocked at all if it were several, several years and maybe even getting back up to average, which would be five years from now, which I think a lot of us would probably be impressed by. Now, Jeff, one thing we're not impressed by, or Let's put it like that. One thing we're concerned by, the K-shaped recovery. We've talked about that a lot on this podcast the last six months. What exactly is the K-shaped recovery, people who might be listening to this for the first time, and what does it mean uh, from an economics point of view? Yeah, it means some folks are doing really well and some folks are really struggling, right? Yes. The, the rising part of the K and the declining part of the K. Um, you know, the easiest examples... Um, you know, housing booming, e-commerce booming, um, people that can work from home like us are doing well. Uh, but on the flip side, you know, people that work in industries that are harder to social distance, you mentioned cruise ships, that's certainly one, uh, live entertainment, right? Retail, brick and mortar retail, um, restaurants, things like that, uh, travel related, those areas are really struggling. And so, um, we really need the bottom half of the K uh, to move higher. We need a vaccine to do that. And, um, you know, hopefully the folks that are doing well will continue to do well. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, one of the poster childs for the um, the issues that we had with the coronavirus was, was Live Nation, right? Live Nation does live concerts. In the second quarter, their revenue was down 98%. I, I looked around and said, how was it not down 100%? I don't know who in the world was going to a live concert in the second quarter. Uh, but nonetheless, with the vaccine news and things, those are some of the, every time there's positive news on the vaccine front, you see the cruise ships and the airlines and the live things, if you will, uh, go up a lot more. And that's obviously... Um, something we need and we want and that K-shaped recovery, something we've talked a lot about. But Jeff, I'm pulling up the slide now, just kind of our overall views. And I'll let you kind of touch on this one, what the US is, developed, emerging markets, global, then a little bit on inflation. You kind of touched on this, but let's talk about the actual numbers that LPL Research sees in 2020, 2021. I'll get it right, what year we're in here. <laughs> yeah, you know, US first, we were in a 2% kind of growth economy for quite some time pre-pandemic. Uh, 
because of the pent-up demand uh, as the economy reopens, we think we can do a lot better than that pre-COVID trend of you know double even four to four and a half percent. And then comparing that to the rest of the world, you know, we've been talking about um, emerging markets, uh, really led by China, uh, managing this pandemic better and and uh, seeing their economies recover sooner. That's certainly going to be reflected, we think, in uh, much stronger growth in emerging markets, uh, certainly than um, we saw in 2020, and stronger than the U.S. and developed international. And then, you know, developed international, we think Japan. Um, at least in its trend, maybe has a chance to do a little bit better than expectations based on consensus. Europe might not do quite as well. We think maybe economic growth expectations in Europe might be a little bit too high, but you throw all that together, maybe Europe or maybe the developed international um, world can grow close to the US, but probably a little bit behind. So if we compare that to consensus, we're maybe little ahead in US and EM, maybe a little behind in developed international. Yeah. And what about inflation? Yeah, so, you know, as I mentioned- We could spend all day on this one, so I guess we better make it quick. Yeah, make it <laughs> quick. Lots to talk yeah. about, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, interest rates have risen recently as inflation expectations have risen, as the odds of a stimulus package increase. We thought we'd get a stimulus, just maybe not this soon. Um, that, you know, that's certainly um, going to continue, we think, in, in 2021 as growth improves. I mean, the economy is still about 3% below where it was pre-pandemic. Um, so as we cap recapture that lost output uh, and the labor market continues to improve, some of that slack in the economy gets sopped up, um, we think we will see a pickup in inflation and get back to the pre-pandemic trend. And that's a little bit below 2%. The Fed said they're willing to let inflation run a little hot before they raise rates. So certainly this doesn't mean we're going to get a rate hike next year or even in 2022, uh, probably. But the trend in inflation is certainly higher. And then unemployment, you know, we've made good progress here recently. This is more of a full year average. 6.7% uh, is consensus. Uh, we certainly have the opportunity to do better than that, uh, depending on how the vaccine distribution goes. Yeah, good points there. You know, I was going to talk about stocks next. Maybe let's go to bonds because it's somewhat linked with the inflation and rates discussions. So let's go to bonds. and We'll finish up uh, talking about stocks here. But we call bonds, we say, uh, staying in their lane. You know, overall, we still think stocks are going to outperform bonds. We thought that coming into this year. We thought that the second half of this year, and we still think you know into 2021, stocks will do better than bonds. But believe me, there's always a place for bonds in someone's portfolio. You think about it, one of the other charts, we don't have it in this deck, but when you see the actual uh, 2021 outlook, you'll see what I mean. We found six different times the S&P 500 pulled back at least 10% since the original bull, the other bull market started in 2009. On average, S&P down 18%, the Barclays Ag up nearly 2%. So 2% doesn't sound that great, but when your stocks are down 18%, that doesn't feel too good. Even when stocks are down 34% in the fastest bear market ever, fastest 34% correction ever, the Barclays Ag was technically down during that same time frame, down about a percent. Um, so you can say, well, bonds didn't do what they were supposed to. Well, 
hey, I'd take down 1% for part of my portfolio and the rest of it's down 34%. So it still makes absolute sense to have uh, fixed income and bonds in people's portfolios. Uh, but Jeff, you know, so much of it revolves around the 10-year yield. And you kind of hinted at some of this already. At LPL Research, we do think the 10-year yield is probably going to have a higher trend next year. Uh, you want to talk about the chart that we're showing here with large declines, what tends to happen next? Sure. Yeah, when you get big drops in the 10-year treasury like like we see in this chart this is a chart of rolling one-year changes in the 10-year this is about where you get uh reversals big reversals yep. when you get a couple hundred basis point decline which we we've just seen um you tend to recover that so um you know we know that the fed um remains pretty much locked at zero and certainly um, you know, there are demographic trends and, you know, inflation has been stubbornly low. Uh, a lot of reasons why rates remain low. But we actually think this probably does play out or at least something close to uh, what this chart suggests plays out. And we, we could get, um, you know, 50, 75 basis point move in rates from here. Yeah, our base case is a 10-year will finish the year next year, 2021, between one and a quarter and 1.75%. Um, we do think maybe the lower end is more likely. But one thing um, that gets me is just the, the general consensus of lower rates. You know, there was a recent poll that came out, um, 54 economists, Bloomberg poll, looked at where the 10-year yield is going to be. And out of those 54, only four of them out of the 54 expect the 10-year yield to be above 1.5% next year. So if you talk about everyone on one side of the boat, the lower yields is, is where a lot of people are. And it makes me think from that contrarian point of view, the opportunity potentially could be for a little bit higher. And then you see things like uh, copper breaking out to nearly eight-year highs. Copper made seven-year highs, nearly eight-year highs. Copper-gold ratio. Some of these historically um, do suggest the 10-year yield maybe has a little more upside, but it's not just going to happen overnight like the chart we're sharing on our YouTube channel shows when you have huge drops in the 10-year yield like we did earlier this year, you know, have a little bit of a rubber band approach. I mean, Jeff, I guess the, the real easy question, you know, bonds have been in the bull market since the early 80s. Are we saying the bond bull market's over? Or are we just saying it's a little bit of a blip where, where maybe yields go higher and bonds just kind of, you know, are flat-ish for the year? The bond bull market is probably over. Yeah. Right? I mean, some people are still talking about negative rates from the Fed. Right. We think that's unlikely. Um, it, if we do break the recent lows in yields, um, you know, my guess is that would happen in the next cycle, many years down the road, uh, not uh, not in 2021. Yeah, uh, Jeff, from an investments point of view, you know, we like the um, investment grade corporates. Tell me a little bit about mortgage-backed securities and why that is another area that we really have warmed to significantly and like into 2021 here. Sure. Yeah. Mortgage-backed securities um, make sense for a rising rate environment, right? They have less interest rate sensitivity than traditional corporate bonds, for example, or traditional treasuries. So as we've been doing for a while, we want to lean into those areas, focusing on the intermediate part of the curve and focusing on the sectors in the bond market that withstand rising rates the best. Yeah. Also credit sensitive areas, uh, things like high yield and then emerging market that are also for suitable investors, some areas that we think maybe make uh, some sense from a fixed income point of view. But Jeff, you know, we've got a few minutes left. 
Uh, I said we wanted to keep this about 30 minutes, so we might get there. Let's finish with, I think, the one probably closest to our hearts, stocks. Um, you know, at LPL Research, if you remember, when the market was getting destroyed back in March, we laid out some things we wanted to see to kind of show we were over the worst of it. And we started seeing some of those things uh, stack up the, the last week of March. And we actually upgraded our view on equities to overweight equities on March 26th of this year. That was fully documented many places, discussed it on this very podcast, why we upgraded our view on equities. I'm seeing some of our friends and competitors are upgrading the views on equities like last week. And I'm like, wow, we did that 60% ago. Um, you know, little pat on the back there, I had to do it. But, um, you know, but still, I mean, there's, there, there, it's been a really rough year, but at the same time, we think there are still some positives. As we say here, earnings rebound may spark 2021 gains. I mean, Jeff, earnings do drive long-term stock gains, no doubt about it. You are the earnings guru. Kind of tell me what we see for earnings as we head into 2021 here at LPL Research. Yeah, we had a spirited debate about our earnings forecast, not just for 2021, but 2022, which is a long way off, a lot of variables, of course. Um, but in some ways, it's easier to predict 2022 because you can assume, we hope and pray, that the pandemic is over and we're not still feeling the after effects of it. Um, to value stocks on 2021 earnings, they look expensive. But if you look out to this potentially really strong rebound in 2022, we would say stocks look fairly valued or maybe even a little bit attractive, um, mm -hmm. certainly relative to low interest rates and still below, um, you know, inflation below the Fed's target, right? PE ratios, price to earnings ratios uh, have a relationship with inflation and interest rates. So um, we actually would say stocks here are not expensive if you believe in this rebound. Um, uh, we think we can make a run at $190 a share in 2022. Uh, that's coming off of you know, something in the 130 range this year uh, and maybe 165 next year. Uh, so really strong rebound, which we think will allow uh, stocks to sort of grow into their valuations. Yeah, and let's make it clear. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a bumpy ride. We'll give our target here in a second. But you think back to the previous bull market, major, major move off the lows in 2009, early part of 2010. And there was some pretty good volatility in the middle of 2010 and even again in 2011. So, you know, would you have a 60% approximate bounce off the lows like we're ballpark where we are right now in the S&P from the lows back on March 23rd? Um, you get through the feel-good time of the year. Santa Claus comes to town maybe early next year. Uh, some pullbacks make sense. But when you have the, the – uh, one of the other things, maybe the biggest surprises for 2020, again, for another one for me, uh, right there besides, besides the fact stocks were at all-time highs and assets up 40% for the year, is just how the economic data continues to surprise to the upside. Um, you know, earnings, we just had an unbelievable beat. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Uh, how good earnings came in relative expectations, but also what companies had to say about the future. Uh, one of the things in the economy I didn't mention is small businesses. Small businesses have a great track record, much better than the Fed, much better than guys like Jeff and I, talking heads. Small, what small businesses say, they're usually right. And back in September, they were quite optimistic about the, the backdrop and future of our country. And, and those are some positive things uh, what small businesses have to say. So let's not forget that. Uh, Jeff, so from an investment's point of view, we're, we're at 30 minutes, but I think we need to definitely point, point this out. 
Growth value, we've talked about it all the time. We still side a little bit with growth, but we've warmed a lot to the cyclical values. You want to talk about from an investment's point of view, how LPL research things, uh, or maybe from a sector, sorry, from a sector point of view, how LPL research they sees things playing out in 2021? Yeah, we, we've got a bit of a barbell, I would say. We've got some areas of the market that were well positioned for the pandemic. So technology is the obvious one. You know, internet stocks, e-commerce stocks, we still like those. Uh, but we also like materials and to a bit lesser extent, industrials, which are really more reopening plays, right? Um, areas of the market that need that extra push from the vaccine and a fully reopened uh, economy. And we still like healthcare too. It's really more idiosyncratic, um, not as much tied to what happens with the pandemic. Um, just we, we think healthcare spending continues on its upward trend and that the market may have been overly concerned about the policy risk there. Yeah, and then the large cap, small cap, we've been overweight large caps for much of this year. But small caps, Jeff, we did upgrade them to uh, market weight I guess in late September, early September, I should say, for our LPL advisors. And sure enough, uh, small caps just had their greatest month ever <laughs> over, I believe it was over 18% for the Russell 2 back in November. Um, so we still like smalls, but after that huge rally, you're saying there's still legs, there's still, there's still a chance smalls keep doing well after that huge move in November. What do you think, Jeff, on smalls here? Sure, yeah, we're, we're in the sweet spot of the economic cycle for small caps, still early. Uh, and they probably work. I mean, we we could certainly envision a scenario where we change some of these views and shift more toward cyclical value and small uh, in the first quarter as we get more evidence that a durable expansion is here. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, um, Jeff, we've kind of hit the end of the road. Any final comments on either the 2021 outlook or maybe even what investors should be looking for this week um, from uh, um, from their investments points of view here? Yeah, the, this week's data is largely second tier, um, although we do get the job opening and labor turnover report. So any data on the job market is uh, certainly interesting right now as momentum there has clearly slowed. We saw that with Friday's soft jobs report for the month of November. Um, and then just in terms of the outlook, you know, thanks again to our creative team for just spectacular work. Uh, coming up with the theme and 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 making it look really good. We're we're excited uh, that we're able to uh, bring this to you uh, first thing Tuesday morning. I was going to actually give them a direct shout out. Thank you to Scott and Caroline from the creative team because they we've got the easy part. We do this stuff all day. We've got all these ideas. They keep us in line and send us the emails like, hey, this is due tomorrow. We're like, oh my goodness, it's due tomorrow. And then we go and do it because we're running around doing other things. So. Thank you so much to our partners and the creative uh, creative team, marketing communications that keep us straight and make sure we hit all the deadlines. So these things are done when they're supposed to do, because we sometimes, you know, we, oh, look at the yield curve. Oh, look at gold. We're like, you know, we we, we, uh, we lose focus very easily here. You know, I shouldn't say it like that, but you know what I mean. But it's great. It's a full team uh, to get this past the finish line. Thank you to Neil, who's literally on the line right now, who continues to record these podcasts and helps us a lot as well with the things that we create and share with you guys and our seven more than 17,000 LPL advisors. So again, uh, you know, if you like this podcast, please give us a positive review, give us a follow, give us a like, 
Uh, check out the YouTube channel as well. We're putting more and more content on there. We'll continue to do that as we head into 2021. Um, and with all of that, thanks again, everyone. The Outlook, LPL Research 2020 Outlook is here. Uh, please feel free and reach out and you know, you can find us on Twitter in different ways. Uh, reach out to regular channels and let us know what you think about the Outlook. And with that, Jeff and I will be back next week with the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. See everybody next week. Take care. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarded the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations and may lose value.